The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. Nice to have you on board for episode 40 of The Boys of Tech for Monday the 26th of October 2009. I'm Edwin Herman. I'd like to welcome my co-host, Brett King. Hello. Brett, uh, Labour weekend and first barbecue of the season. Yes, it's finally given us a fine day, which is pretty grand after all of the not-so-nice weather we've been having for the start of spring. All right, so we've got some interesting stories, some particularly interesting story a big brother type story on the in the New Zealand section, which we'll uh, leave as we normally do uh, to the end after the break. But of course, there's the big international stories to deal with first. Google and Microsoft are both in a Twitter deal. Yeah, both have signed up to include Twitter tweets in search results. Yeah, I guess this kind of makes sense because you know you're watching a football match or something and you're tweeting it out. Someone else does a search, wants to know what, what the score is or where we're at. Uh, yeah, yep. if, if it can find those tweets, bingo. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, you, you can't really beat that kind of stuff. And they actually, I think Facebook. Well, in that situation, I'm sure there are plenty of actual websites which do up to the second sports results. In fact, I know there are for almost every sport. There are main web pages. Yeah, but you've got to go to those pages, don't you? Well, yeah, but the same thing as with Googling for something that comes in a tweet. It's. I think it's. I think it's cool. Um, but I think it's a mixed bag. Just you know, it's it's great to be able to have search index, be able to search for stuff and get results that might have come up in a in a tweet. But there's for any information like that, I think there is a more reliable source. Like what? Like the the web pages of um, different uh, broadcasters who will also give results for different oh, I things. See, as you were saying the, earlier, the, main, that, that yeah, the, the official websites of different places. Yeah, I guess always give a more up to date. Most of them, you know, relatively responsive stuff. I think it's more interesting for the ability to search for different phrases and different things that people might have been talking about, getting you know um, somebody's insight on something. So you put in a product. You're searching for a product and you're going to get, you know, search results, which are review sites to get reviews of the product. But you'll also get people's tweets on their use of the product. So you'll get people's personal opinion on things. But for, for you know, stats and facts and those sorts of things, there are far more reliable places to get that information than to. I think the big thing is is the fact that you can get stuff live. It's it's current tweets that are really going to matter. It's not the old tweets. It's going to be the current stuff, like something that doesn't have an official coverage uh, of an event, like maybe a concert you're going to, and perhaps you can't make mm-hmm. it. Uh, and people are tweeting out what's you know what songs are being done now, or, or some other event, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and where there isn't any official coverage. I, I think that it's the live things. It's up to the minute. What's right now? You know, snap your fingers, kind of uh, yeah. snappiness. In your okay. search results, I, th- I think that's. Still, I, I think that's going to be the big. <laughs> we will have to stand on two different sides for this one. I think it's <laughs> okay. more of the um, more access to people's opinions and thoughts on things, being able to easily access those via a search engine, and you're on the yeah, 
up to the minute sort of stuff. Well, you know, I tell you what, you know, when Michael Jackson died, the place I found out first about that was Twitter. Yeah. One of the trending topics. And I, I looked and thought, what? Uh, having said that, inevitably, I did go to websites after that. I mean, Twitter was yeah, not my... Yeah, I saw it know, on a news site. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Twitter wasn't my news source, but it was the, the first sort of like, oh, it, what something's happening. So I guess if I'd Googled at the time, maybe I hadn't suspected anything, and but I was wanting to search something for Michael Jackson, and suddenly it comes up with Michael Jackson's dad. It's like, what? Uh, you know, in, in a tweet, then I might follow that up. <laughs> See, my first reaction if I Googled something about Michael Jackson and it was a tweet saying Michael Jackson's dead is I would go, oh, it's another one of those silly sites doing, you know, eulogies or being oh, yeah, at <laughs> different people this, and yeah. or just faking, well, faking stuff out, putting stuff out there <laughs> because it turns up in searches. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't take it quite so authoritatively. Thinking about it now, I probably would have the same reaction because it, it, there's so many of those those things, and and I don't. I guess people just do it for for fun. Yeah. So it, it's kind of annoying because sometimes I do see them and I think, oh, did someone really die? And it's like, oh, actually. And then no. you do an actual check. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, so Google, both Google and Bing uh, are in this deal. They've they both well, they've both you know struck separate deals. Yep. Uh, which is interesting. So, you know, Microsoft, uh, you know, they're certainly pushing their, their Bing product mm. and keeping it current and keeping it sort of new and innovative. So they're obviously uh, serious about Bing. Mm. Definitely. No, no word about Yahoo, our, our second uh, most popular search engine. No, no. Uh, there are a, a bunch of other different places that do provide these real-time feeds, but yeah. Yeah, they're Microsoft less known, aren't they? Google are they? Yeah, they're coming in. <laughs> yeah, it's good to see. Now, last week the, we talked about when the cloud goes bust and data loss and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, well, there's another one that's just uh, surfaced uh, this week. Uh, U.S. cloud storage supplier SwissDisk has suffered pretty much a catastrophic hardware failure, and it resulted in users being unable to access their data. And did you see the letter that they sent the users? I did. I did. Um, it was interesting in how very ambiguous it was. <laughs> it like starts off as a, we're sorry, we bad stuff has happened to our machines and many simultaneous events have happened and we're going to do all of these cool new things and we signed up and we're going to make it a cooler new service and it turns into this big advert for their new service. And it's very ambiguous about whether or not you've actually lost all of your stuff. Yeah, because they're but, saying they need to re-register. Yeah, which, yeah. Does that so mean- that, 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 that line there is the line which kind of makes you go, hmm, I guess maybe they have lost everything. And this is an apology email and an email telling me that not only have they lost everything, but they are going to make it better if I stay with them. <laughs> and hopefully I'll stay with them to take advantage of this new something but everything i already had is gone so the, the <laughs> letter's really a bit like weird. i know it's a bit like okay we're starting from scratch are you coming with us yeah 
the other thing I picked out from that letter was it states, you know, that at one point they say to prevent any future outages, Swiss Disk Management has signed a contractual service agreement with a $40 billion company. For the first time, this will enable Swiss Disk to provide our customers with a 99.95% service level agreement, etc., etc. So it almost sounds like an admission that, oh, before we kind of had this sort of cowboy sort of set up, you know, we didn't really know what we're doing. We didn't have any redundancy or backups. We were kind of you know, running out of the back shed, basically. Basically, but now we're going professional. That's it, it does sound, like. yeah, it does sound like they went from being something which was not quite as professional, definitely nowhere near as many nines <laughs> in their service level, <laughs> to now that they've had this massive failure, uh, multiple failures apparently from the, the reading the, the letter they sent out, that they've realised that whatever backup solution they probably had uh, was definitely not enough for this kind of environment and they need to move to something a little more robust, able to recover from these sorts of things. It doesn't give users confidence in the cloud. That's the, the thing, the damaging part. That's the, that's the main part about it. Whether or not you were with Swiss Disk or not or, or lost anything or didn't lose anything, maybe you're a customer who all of your stuff was fine, this sort of news and these sort of failings of, of cloud storage and of, of the, the cloud computing infrastructure just shows how incredibly fragile that cloud really is. It really is like a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it disappears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It Too much sun, you. the wind blowing in the wrong way, and suddenly your cloud is no longer there. It is, it's really starting to show the, the yeah, just how fragile current cloud networking and infrastructure systems really are. But of course, people arguing the other way will say, but it's all to do with management. If you don't manage something, it's going to break. So regardless of whether it's a cloud or not, it's it's down to management. Every company manages things differently, some very poorly, and that's yep. where you see things fail, and others a lot better. Well, indeed, it is. But with the cloud, because it is, you know, it's out there. It's out there and all over the place. You aren't restricted to one group. You aren't restricted to one place that is controlling or, you know, maintaining the, the, the data and stuff. When you really, truly go cloud, yours is everywhere. And so there are many different people with their fingers in the cloud pie, and any one of them could be a bad manager. And any one of them can, you know, <laughs> destroy parts of your cloud. It's kind of scary to think that what, you know, what people might have kept on this thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, they did provide encrypted, secure storage. And businesses were uh, customers of there. So who knows what, was, what they were storing on there and what valuable data might have disappeared. Hopefully, being a proper business, they would have had their, this cloud storage would have been the backups backup. Yeah. And so they still yeah. have their primary system and their primary backups. Yeah, that would be that would be the smart. Hopefully way. they didn't. Hopefully they didn't. You know, go full on trusting the clouds. So, do you back up your data as well on your home PC? I do. How do you I do? How do you do any, backups? I don't use any cloud backups. Number one, because the, you know, the amount of bandwidth and time it takes to back up data these days across the network is quite astounding. I do local backups. I have multiple disk backups. Disk as in external hard drives? Yeah, physical drives. Well, physical inside the computer or internal or external? Physical inside the computer, multiple in a mirrored RAID, and I also have a NAS. Outside. Oh, right. 
Well, you certainly went up on me. <laughs> well, don't you have time machine? I've got time machine, but I've got nothing there. So that's well, the external one, and it, it backs up across that, which is in effect the NAS. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I haven't got anything, any any mirroring or anything inside the computer. So, ah, oh, drives are so cheap these days that it just I didn't see any point not to. One terabyte drives are incredibly cheap, and they last forever. And you can get some really good ones that's very low power usage, so very green. So the, if just put yourself in, in the shoes of a customer. If you were a Swiss customer right now and you received this letter and all your data was gone, would you go with them and, and say, okay, look, you're going to do it properly and professionally. I'll, I'll trust you a second time, or is that it? Ooh, ooh, yeah. If in this sort of situation... I would be one of those people who would look for alternatives. They've, they've given me, you know, their assurances that they're going for something way better, but I would also look to see if there's something else out there that I could go to instead. So you'd reconsider the marketplace? You'd, I would you'd... reconsider the marketplace to see whether or not sticking with Swiss Disk was worth it or whether or not I should give somebody else a go. All right. So if, if... Then you could also take the, you know, the, the alternative thought of, you know, is li- how likely is lightning to strike? twice in the same place and would it be <laughs> yeah, better well. to stick with Swiss Disk now that they've learned from their mistake <laughs> or go with somebody who maybe hasn't had the mistake yet and is it just waiting or you know because you, you really don't know in their, their background how it is that they're running their system so any other place you choose might have been running how other places were before they made mistakes and stuff happened and they learned from it. Actually, so, yes. well, <laughs> you've put an interesting perspective on this. Now, as you say, now that Swiss Disk have gone through this, they've learned from their mistakes. So maybe you could conclude that they're less likely to have another failure soon. So mm. as you as you said, mm, interesting perspective. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. What, I think I'd be in the same boat, actually. I'd, I, you know, I'd, I'd reconsider the marketplace. I wouldn't write them off. Mm. I wouldn't write Swiss Disk off, I, yeah, yeah, but I wouldn't blindly go with them either. I wouldn't just say, oh, no, yes, okay, no, sure thing. They've, they've had a learning experience, and hopefully they've grown from that, so that should hopefully mean that they're still competitive if they actually learn from it. But it is a good chance to, seeing as you're starting from scratch, basically, if you've lost everything, you are starting from scratch, it's a good chance to reevaluate the the marketplace for what it is that you're looking for. Data loss isn't the only risk with cloud computing infrastructures. The other one is companies simply disappearing overnight. Yeah. You know, you, you have to trust that who you're going with is likely to stick around. The last thing you want them to do is, you know, to switch Fall the lights off on you. Yeah. 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 Pull so, the plug without telling you. Exactly. Go under receivership and suddenly, oh, well, okay, that's great. So hopefully that will be, if that was occurring, you would be getting plenty of warning and knowing to jump ship. Get your stuff off it if you need to get stuff off it. But yeah, if it was just one of those over the night, they didn't tell anybody and the next day they just couldn't continue and the plug was pulled, that would be a horrible. But also one of the risks of, of well, it's one of the risks of doing business with anything really. Well, that's true, but, but putting your data with, trusting your data with someone is. Yes, trusting your data with someone, the, it is, that is, yeah. I mean, you can shop and change data. internet service providers, you know. Mm. If they disappear, it's like, oh, well, okay, fine. Well, you know, I'll, I'll go find another one and and so on. But, you know, with, with data, it's a little bit different. You know, I was kind of... Especially like if that you've with, gone full cloud and you don't have much local stuff and all of your backups are in the cloud. Oh, yeah, if you're using you're cloud as primary... Ooh, yeah, ouch. you're trusting that. <laughs> that that stuff stays around and you can yeah, continue to get access to it. And if, if the company goes under without 
to anybody without warning and the plug gets pulled since how the hell do you get um get your um data back yeah exactly you you better make sure that that basket holding the eggs is pretty sound yeah so no i was actually burnt like that in in a in a hosting environment uh i i had this this is back in the i think late 90s when hosting was well it still is cheap but you know hosting was super cheap it was super yeah super cheap and there were lots of them around and they were springing out of everywhere and every man and his dog was doing hosting pretty much and you know i went with this company e systems i still remember the domain name e systems.net completely different um thing now they don't exist uh, as I found out, I paid up for my first year in advance and that went fine. And then uh, when it came time to renew, I renewed. And a few weeks later, goodbye. They don't exist. Ouch. There goes my data. There goes my everything. Well, it wasn't my primary data. I was, you know, because I, you know, it's a hosting company. So I cop, I work on my files locally and I, I upload them when I'm ready. But, you mm. know, it took took a, a number of websites of mine offline. And I did have some emails because it was a Unix system. I, I had shell access. So I took out some some emails in the in the Unix mailbox that was, that was there. So, and, you know. No warning. And you lost the money. <laughs> and I, that was actually the biggest thing. I lost the money. I, it was about three hundred and fifty dollars, New Zealand. So what's that? About two, just uh, two fifty US. Uh, yeah, I lost that money. It was money I just paid, and it's it's gone nowhere. Well, actually, yeah. it hasn't gone nowhere. It's gone into the pockets of whoever <laughs> whoever ran the company. I think. Yeah. That's yeah. That's horrible. Yeah, and there was no warning. It wasn't like oh, we are and you no know, recalls. N- no, I tried tracking. I couldn't even track them down. There was no, I couldn't get in. No, I. This is the this is one of the things that the risks as well of even just hosting offshore. If if your company disappears, it's kind of hard to track down and see whether you can add yourself to the list of creditors. Mm. Not that I would be a high priority one anyway, but. Hi. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> that is one of the risks anyway, and uh, I think with data, it just is is that much worse. All right, the interesting story about MySQL, MySQL. One of the original founders of MySQL has called for Oracle to sell it off. He says it shouldn't belong with Oracle. Mm, he does have a good point. For all intents and purposes, to anybody looking from the outside, it's like a clear conflict of interest. Oracle, with their Oracle database, controlling the development of MySQL, the open source, um, you know, one of the premier flagship open source database systems. It looks like a clear case of conflict of interest. But uh, the Oracle CEO says, no, definitely not. It's not a conflict of interest at all. The two products don't compete and MySQL and Oracle can live quite happily under our umbrella. Yeah, he would would say that the reason he says they don't compete is that they are, you know, they they're aimed at different ends of the market. And they are aimed at different he, he ends of the market. He does have a point. He does have a he, point about that. He does have a point about that, but Monty, the co-founder of MySQL that you were referring to previously, also has a good point in that they really should be two separate entities and Oracle shouldn't be able to fiddle with what is technically a competitor, even though they do target relatively different sections of the market. Oracle can use that power it has over it to start to leverage that that other system, that other market, and you know start to shunt them towards their proprietary Oracle system instead of the MySQL system by you know neglecting 
my school, neglecting the development. Well, that's the thing. Parent, if if they neglect it, that it's, I mean, it's this, yeah, and that's the sort. That's what the the um the EU is targeting their investigation of is how what sort of power over the the database systems would this give Oracle by having both of those products in there? It, it is a concern because we live in a knowledge economy and knowledge lives in where? Generally, databases. Exactly. And and that's why it's such a big deal, isn't it? Mm, that is why it's such a big deal. But the fact that all of this, all of this investigation is is hindering Sun's merger with Oracle. I think it would be in the interest of the MySQL community for it to be a separate project, not owned by Oracle or or someone else who has a database. And uh, yeah. I think I think you know it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the EU's ruling because the the American companies, and I'm not quite sure how that's going to affect. Uh, obviously, it's going to affect how it's done in Europe, but will that translate into a global change? If if there is indeed something that's mandated by the EU, yeah, it is quite interesting. It really depends on how much of the income from those different from the two companies is from the the European Union compared to what they're getting from their their home states. I'd be interested to see what happens if the EU says no, you must spin it off at least in Europe, because. If you spin it off, regardless of where you do this, if you do that in Europe, it's it's spun off. It's like yeah, it's it's spun off. You can't you can't keep you, it in, in yeah. America and not have it in Europe. Have you have two, two, you'll end up yeah, having then you have forks. two different. You have yeah, MySQL US and MySQL Europe. MySQL Europe being separate fork and MySQL US being maintained by Oracle. It doesn't really work that way. The only other option would be for Oracle to pull out of Europe, but I can't see that happening at all. I can't see that happening at all. All righty. From the Apple department, uh, they've released a new mouse. And look, I will say this. It's about time because the mighty mouse, I admit, is now driving me nuts. I loved it at first. That little ball thing just doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> it's, no, it's, honestly, it's terrible. It, it collects all sorts of dust and grime, and you, you can clean it. Well, you can try to clean it. Uh, and it just comes back. It, it, of course so it does. <laughs> you can't clean something once and then expect it to always be clean. Yeah, but it, it comes back like fast. <laughs> it's like it's not fully, you can't clean them properly is I guess what I'm trying to say. Nah. Yeah. Well, it's but, because they're made out of that, that special rubber, which is, a tr- you know, like a magnet to dust. Yeah, exactly. Why? I don't know why they do that because it's it's the worst thing they could make it out of. But anyway, the release. Because it's grippy to fingers. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I guess that's the answer, isn't it? <laughs> Scrappy to everything, including dust. Well, they've they've now come out with a new mouse. It's called the Magic Mouse, which is a kind of a strange name. It's it's a strange name, but oh, it's it's it's, it's basically like love at first sight. It's a trackpad <laughs> on. I was going to say on wheels. It's not really on wheels, but it's a movable trackpad, really, isn't it? Yeah, can, yeah. It's, it's a single. Easy. So it's a single surface. There's no no wheel, no ball, no nothing, uh, and you can scroll simply by moving your finger over the surface as you would on a trackpad. Two fingers to swipe takes you to the next. It's like a page down or next page in, in a browser, mm-hmm. and of course the whole thing can be moved, you know, b- with your hand like a mouse. So, yeah, and it, but you missed out the the coolest part is that the the, the trackpad surface is just like the the iPhone, the iPod, and the the new set of uh, notebook trackpads. They're all multi touch. Yeah, multi touch. Yeah. Well, that's so the, yeah, pinching so, and double swiping and everything. It's brilliant. Yeah, pinching and spread to zoom. Yep. Yep, absolutely, and I I want one. I really I want, really want one. one. I want one, and I want it to work with PC. I'm sure because <laughs> I want to work. I want to use it on everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
The only reason I want one is simply because I'm so frustrated with my Mighty Mouse. In fact, I've got rid of my Mighty Mouse and I now use a cheap Cytec mouse. Just yeah. a, a two button with a, the old scroll. It's just a really old thing, you know. But that's, any, that's the main reason I want one. I want something to take my frustrations away from, a, from the Mighty Mouse. <laughs> I want one because it looks brilliant and the features on it, it's... it's it is a next step in the, the 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 evolution of our mousing surfaces, I reckon. Yeah, I think you're right. It's I think it's gonna kind of do what the i development of the iPhone did to smartphones, uh, to mice. Yep. So, you know, the the whole pinching this would be great for, for graphic designers and so on, you know, pinching for zooming and stuff like that. Yeah. It's wireless as well, I should mention. Mm, and, Bluetooth. Yeah, uh, yeah, Bluetooth. Yep. And can be uh, ranges about ten meters. Pretty good. Hmm. Though, who works ten meters away from their computer? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I guess you know if you really need to scroll and use the mouse to browse your web pages while you're lying on your bed, while you've got your home theater projector projecting on your wall. Uh, I guess maybe. Hey, I wonder how good it is at, for gaming. Ooh, I want one like I said before, but now I really want one to try for gaming. <laughs> to try it for gaming. The one downside about the mouse that's been published is that it's actually quite tricky, at first at least, to do a two-finger swipe over the surface without moving the mouse. You can, nah, try it now on, you can try it on your regular mouse. It's actually quite hard to swipe across without nudging the mouse. All right, well, that's all there is to say about the, the what is it? Uh, magic, magic mouse, mouse thank you. I could never think I keep wanting to say mighty mouse the magic mouse that's all there is to say about the magic mouse so uh, just a bit of a catch up story France has adopted a three strikes law for a piracy so they've they finally brought it in after a bit of a review yeah they've kind of massaged the law a little bit and they do have what I do like is they have kept the fact that they have the separate organisation that looks into each individual case Yep, and it's put in front of a uh, kind of a judicial review before someone's internet is actually yanked. That's what they said. Yes, it is. It get, does get passed on to a through some sort of re- judicial review before somebody can be terminated, have their service terminated. So whether that looks at proof, evidence, I don't know. Mm. Uh, it doesn't really say. It, but it doesn't really say. There's not a lot of that in-depth sort of how they handle and review those cases because you can just see what will happen. It, it's great that there's this oversight, this other body, which is going to be doing this. However, you can see that the what's going to happen is that the, the content providers, the copyright owners, or more to the point, the groups and organizations which, finger quotes, represent copyright owners will bombard this agency with so many instances so many things to to action to send out that they will quickly become overwhelmed yeah they'll have their scripts running won't they yeah they'll have their scripts running and it will just send them all verbatim off to this new body because it takes away all of that extra stuff which is from those agencies which were doing it already and didn't want to be doing it because it's costing them money to go through all of the litigation. So they want to, that's what this whole three strikes thing is for, get rid of all of those pesky lawyers. You don't have to pay those pesky lawyers well, anymore. You know what we they, you know what they could to, do? To Adobe, if that's what they're going to call it still. Uh, you get to use your word, maybe. 
Hadopi. And <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> I love that term. Love and that so they'll send them all to this, and this place will be the one that gets bombarded with these requests for termination. And we'll see whether or not they quickly become overwhelmed, and we'll just see how much of this judicial review and actual oversight stays, and how much then gets, you know, thrown out and everything just gets shunted off to the terminate them, terminate them. Well, you know what they should do? Hadopi should actually charge a, a nominal fee. That's a brilliant idea. If they charged for every time that one every of the organizations, mm. yeah, for every request of termination that somebody puts through, if they charged the actual person requesting it, and if the actual proper judicial review showed that there was plenty of proof that the person that they had alleged was infringing the copyright really was, then they get their fee back and then the person gets the termination. But if it's claim, if it's found out that it was false, that there is not enough proof, then that fee stays with Hadopi and goes back into the, the French government. Well, they could do that or they could just not refund it at all. They could just keep keep the money. It's like, it's like, you know, well, you're not, I don't see that going down with the, well, it's like now you have to take it through the court system that costs even more money, lawyers and all sorts. Surely well, true. If, somebody does if, have if, to be paying Hadopi's um, fees. Well, I mean, it could come out of the, the central government's consolidated fund, but what I'm suggesting is you could still charge and not have to do this, this whole, you know, if it, if it's real, you get your money back. You could just say it's whatever it is, I don't know, hundred, 200 euro, whatever per request. And, you know, regardless of, of right or well, wrong. Well, that would because- hopefully cut down the number of miscellaneous requests for termination without any proof that... Yeah, well, that they might be a bit more selective. As representatives, to- yeah, send yeah, through. Exactly. They what might they be a little through. more selective if they, you know, were going to be charged 100 euro per request. Exactly. So, I don't know. It's all... Uh, we're kind of making things up as we go along now on this one. But I think it's what's nice about the way they've implemented this is that they do have that judicial body. As we said, we don't quite know exactly what they're going to do, whether they're going to look at evidence or not, but at least they have something there rather than just phoning the ISP saying, oh, Fred down down the road at number 42 is downloading my song that I produce. Yeah. Can you cut him off? Thank you very much. So yeah. it is kind of nice a having step, a formal structure. Yeah, without really knowing how it's going to operate and how it will take in requests and what process it will actually do to review the proof of those requests is the, you know, to see whether or not it'll actually fulfill its role or, or whether or not it's really just going to be a the new place that the content provide, the content representatives just dump all of the stuff that they currently dump through the judicial system, except they get to do it for free. Well, I'm oh, sure if the plan fails miserably, it'll be back in their newswise. So I'm sure we'll, we'll hear about it. Mm. All right, and that concludes the international stories for this week. We do have a couple of New Zealand stories which we'll cover after the break. Don't go away. All right, welcome back. First up for the New Zealand stories, New Zealand gets its first Twitter Live billboards. A couple of billboards have gone up, one in Auckland, one in Wellington, and they have live tweets showing on the billboard itself. Weird. What's with that? So it is kind of, it's a new marketing uh, strategy. They're trying to try something new, something innovative, something fresh. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, I will say this, it would probably catch my eye if I saw that. It w- I would look at the billboard and see what's going on. Yeah. 
Uh, it's it's done by the well the billboards are for yellow, so they they're the advertisers, mm-hmm. yellow.co.nz, You know the the directory people, yes. uh, and the uh, the billboard is done by by a local crowd. Uh, well, a combination of a number of local crowds, some that pr- pr- do the billboard space itself, and of course the guys who do the live screens that show the data, and some other people to help integrate the the screen with with the Twitter network. Mm-hmm. So what do you make of that? Innovative. Have you seen the one in Wellington yet or? No, I haven't. Where is it? It's on G-Voice Key, I believe. Ah. Yeah, I've, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't yet. I don't go no, past sorry, there Waterloo, very often. Sorry, Waterloo Key. Oh, yeah. I definitely don't go past there very often. No, I don't either. But uh, I was, in fact, I was meaning to do a drive-by the other day so I could say I've seen it, but I haven't. Yellow has done a lot of very innovative things with its you know, marketing and its advertising. They did that, what was it, the, the, the treehouse? The treehouse, yeah, that's there. right. So you, you could follow along the, the um, creation of this restaurant in the tree. So Yeah, so this is a similar project actually. This time around it's for yellow chocolate and they're going to create a new yellow chocolate using you know, uh, resources from the yellow pages. It's about developing and marketing a chocolate bar that tastes like the colour yellow. <laughs> How do you taste yellow? Banana? <laughs> yeah, what does yellow taste like? It's like orange tastes like orange because we get the word orange from, from the, the fruit. fruit. Exactly. And the fruit gets its name from something completely different. Something Latin, I believe. I think it's Latin. But yeah, <laughs> yellow. What does yellow what? taste like? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> it could be lemon. could be banana. could be pineapple. Could be pineapple. If it's pineapple, my daughter would love it because she's mad about pineapple. Could be yellow capsicum. Uh, yeah, yellow hadn't, peppers. Had, hadn't thought of that. That's the yellow story. Onto the well, the tw- Twitter billboard story. Onto the other big story in New Zealand this week. The government has announced that it plans a whole range of sweeping changes to spy powers, basically giving government departments and government agencies the ability to spy in different ways on people for different reasons. Things like the ability to hack into private computers, uh, place surveillance devices like hidden cameras and microphones in people's houses and homes. Uh, Brett, I don't know where to start with this one because this is a huge announcement. It's a huge change. It is huge. It is the... The reason it is so huge is that it's like it's the sheer scope of who gets the powers. It's not like enhancing powers or anything that the police have, because the police, as we know, have surveillance and investigatory branches that are all about surveilling and eavesdropping and getting information on, you know, things that are safety or safety concerns or criminal activity and behavior, that sort of stuff. That's their job. They've got trained people to do it. They've got oversight over it, keeping an eye. And this isn't about making those any bigger. This is about giving the powers that the police have in doing those investigations to everybody else in the government. So hang so on, hang on. Let's, let's start there. Who, who currently has those powers? Pretty much, what, the police, the SIS? The police, the, police, the SIS, GCSB. GCSB. Um, yeah, there. Probably about um, it, isn't probably it? Probably defense would have some sort of other powers from that. Well, that probably would probably through, come through. Probably, through SIS, GCSB. Probably through those, yeah. So yeah. That, that's pretty much it, right? That's currently that's, that's where the powers currently lie. who you'd expect to have those sorts of powers, to have the, you know, the right to 
look at those things for a damn good reason, whether it be, you know, criminal activity or all those sorts of stuff. But this is like giving it to everybody else. Like who? Give us an example of of a department. Basically, government departments and state agencies. So like the Inland Revenue, uh, Fisheries, the Meat Board. uh, The Meat Board? The Meat Board, yes. So they can come and put a – they can hack into my computer here and install a keylogger or something or or something to extract data out of my computer and read my emails, right? Yep, yep. I don't know, maybe you're involved in some kind of beef-related espionage. (laughs) Um, I've been steaming cattle. Yeah, maybe you're a cattle rustler. I don't know. Um, (laughs) And, oh, like council dog control. Yeah. Being able to to enter homes and install... Yeah, enter homes, install surveillance devices. And, yeah, it's... So the next question is, who is going to be monitoring this? Well their own departments and agencies. There's no oversight. So is, no is, that's the big concern, oversight. isn't it? That's the big concern for this. This is giving all of these powers, this, you know, grab bag of different powers of spying and bugging and detaining people to organizations and stuff that really don't have any of those needs to do those sorts of things or really shouldn't have the need to do those sorts of things that they can't go through the police and proper uh, channels to get that sort of information. Well, well, I was going to ask you about that. We need to stop crime, right? There's no, no one's going to argue with that. We need, and sometimes we need to spy or, you know, use intelligence. We need to extract information in a covert manner from people. So there's a need to do that. But but once again, it's, it's, as with all of the stuff that we've, we've talked about really is that there's always got to be some sort of a, a reason for it. It's not just offhand, I think he's doing it. I think he's done something bad. Yeah, but there must be a framework, surely, around around what you... I, I think the, the, there's two things. There's one, how is it going to be used? And that's what you're talking about. But mm-hmm. also, does it need to be given to those departments? Because aren't there existing channels through which... Precisely. That's the, that's the point. That's the real point of this whole thing. Is really, aren't there really aren't there channels for those departments and agencies that would, for whatever reason, require information covertly? Aren't there other channels for them to go through, like through the police and through those sorts of things? Well, you think so? Just because giving yeah. this sort of power willy nilly to different agencies and departments with which don't have proper departments and areas within themselves which are trained and professional in that, and they don't have you know good oversight it's just opening it up to a huge range of abuse this is going to be a huge debate i mean i think the, the well the human rights commission chief commissioner roslyn noonan said that the surveillance bill was giving away the powers to a grab bag of every possible agency she she's warning against this yeah yeah she's definitely she warning a, against it you know, this is a, not a good thing and it's very mm. much big brother if you ask me Oh yeah, she's she's stated that she reckons the government really, really needs to justify to the New Zealand public why it's giving these broad surveillance powers to everybody. I noted that they didn't use the word terrorism in this in this case. They they no, haven't no. used that excuse. They, they have not used the terrorism excuse. They're probably you know a little more savvy. Yeah, and know that New that Zealanders <laughs> would not. Yeah, that does not work in New Zealand. So, Brett, to, to sum it up, what, what do you make of this? 
I think they should rethink what they're trying to do and whether or not they're doing it the right way. <laughs> we already have departments that do surveillance. Why can't the other agencies just go through them? All right, then let's wrap up the show. Brett, thank you very much for hosting episode 40 with me. Not a problem. Hopefully I won't be quite so croaky next time. You're just getting over a cold, aren't you? Yes, indeed. All right, well, a bit of rest and relaxation for you, I'd say. And uh, thank you, everyone else, for joining us, and we'll see you hopefully again next week for episode number 41. Till then, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.